This is It's Like Bowling, where I debunk myths, dispel rumors, and offer dating tips to help people of a certain age find connection, companionship, and their own version of romance. My name is Anne. After a 15-year marriage, dating was as scary to me as a zombie apocalypse. How would I meet people? Who pays on a date? Was I ready to see a stranger's middle-aged body? A woman has her needs. I figured it's like bowling. You can't score until you get a ball in your hands. So I used the dating apps, went to singles mixers, and had countless first dates. Now I'm sharing my hard-earned knowledge to help you get back on that horse and ride into the sunset. What you do with the horse after that is totally up to you. I don't judge. Welcome to It's Like Bowling. You tuned in today to find out where are the single people. But let's be honest, the real question is, are there any single people? Well, I'm here to tell you that there are. And today's show will talk about that, also where to find those single people, and the most important thing, what to do when you spot one. When you've been partnered up for a while, and then you find yourself suddenly single, it can seem like everybody else is partnered up or all the good ones are taken. I hear those complaints all the time. But that's not really true. The problem is you've kind of been in your own bubble. If you're partnered up, probably most of the people in your social circle are partnered up too. Couples go out with couples, singles go out with singles. So then when you're ready to date, you probably don't have friends that you can ask to fix you up with someone. And let's face it, you might not really want them to. In 2019, the Pew Research Center did a whole report on dating. They asked people about their attitudes, whether they thought it was easier or harder or the same as it was 10 years ago. Did they find difficulty dating? Was it a pleasant or unpleasant experience? One of the biggest complaints was not finding suitable people. This was especially true for women. If you listen to last week's episode where I talked to Jeanette Peaton, she said when she first started dating, she actually went to a matchmaking service and she was really surprised that the people that she was matched with weren't quite at her level as far as interests, income, uh, ability to do things, financial security. And that makes a difference when you get to a certain age because we've been working hard to support our own lifestyles. We don't really want to support somebody else's. That's especially true if we have children or parents that we're helping out financially. According to that Pew study, almost a third of adults, and this is across age categories, are single. So that means at any given time, when you're out and about shopping or walking, exercising at the gym, if you see three people that you think you might be interested in approaching, there's a good chance one of them is actually single and maybe even looking. So why is it that it feels like there's nobody out there, that everybody else is married? Well, it's because you've been in a relationship with someone for a long time, whether that's cohabitation, friends with benefits, marriage, maybe you even had a long separation, one of you dragging things out because, well, let's face it, dating again is scary because everything seems to have changed. This report by Pew also found that the majority of single people feel like dating now is harder than it was 10 years ago. I don't know if that's true or not, but I feel like if you start out with that mindset, you're already starting from a deficit. But the thing is, you've been in this bubble of partnership and you really haven't been looking. But while you haven't been looking, there's been people that have been looking at you. 
For instance, when I got divorced, actually separated, I thought that I'm old. I think I was 42 at the time. Nobody's going to want to date me. But then my son comes home one day and he says, oh, my basketball coach told me to tell you hi. And I'm like, oh, well, I said, well, that's nice. And just let it go. But so I'm thinking the basketball coach knows who I am. I've never talked to the man. And he was a good looking guy. So you might be surprised whose radar you are on. You just need to be open to it. But anyway, like back to the one in three. One in three people being single. Think about that. Again, that means everywhere that you go, one in three people are single and available. Now, maybe you think that's not true for you, given where you go, and maybe it's not. My suggestion to you is to find other places to go. Now, there's single people at singles events. There's meetups. There's mixers. There's happy hours. And some of these are done by the dating app services, like Match.com. Actually, on Match.com, I've been to a speed dating event. I've been to a couple of happy hours. And um, they also do trips, but I've never been on one of the trips. Now, one happy hour I went to, I just found to be kind of depressing. Uh, Ended up getting there a little late. And I didn't see anybody I was very interested in. Um, I think a man brought me a drink. I had maybe one conversation and, and then I left. But at another mixer I went to, I met a really, really nice guy. Very attractive. We had a lot of things in common. We dated for a little while, but ultimately it wasn't going to work out. But it was still a good experience. Speed dating I've tried several times. The women are seated at tables. They stay at the tables throughout the event. The men go from table to table. After about a five-minute interval, they ring a bell or bang a gong and you meet the next person. Then you decide which of these people you think you'd like to meet for coffee. So it's not you're trying, not trying to find somebody that you are going to marry. You're not trying to find somebody for a long-term relationship. You're just thinking, you know, I'd like to find out more about them just to see if uh, I might like to date them. So on you, you'll have a little sheet where you'll mark the people that you are interested in. And they have a similar sheet. And then the organizers of the event will put the sheets together. And if there's people that match, then you get that other person's information. It's kind of like a dating app, only in real life. So you actually get to look and talk and see how you feel in that person's presence. Okay, I feel like that's the good part of speed dating. The bad part in my experience is that every speed dating event I went to, there were always more women than men. The problem is, if there aren't enough men, then you spend a good amount of time just sitting there twiddling your sums, waiting for the next gong to ring. Especially, I find that's true when you get into the 40s, 50s age range at these speed dating events, because a lot of people don't feel comfortable doing that. It's hard to be rejected in person, even though it's a latent rejection. So you don't find out until after the whole thing's over who said yes to you and who said no. Like a bad game of musical chairs where there's too many chairs and nobody ends up a winner at the end. I don't even know if they still do speed dating. Can somebody send me a line and let me know? Even though speed dating didn't work for me, it could work for you. The important thing is to get out there and go where you can find some people. 
One thing I like to do is to find a group that's doing an activity or has a purpose for something I'm already interested in. That could be a volunteer group, could be a salsa class, it could be hiking a mountain, anything. The good thing about doing something like that is that you know you already have an interest in it, so your time will be well spent. Volunteer projects have the added bonus of helping other people, so it takes the focus off you. I don't recommend that people go to things with the sole purpose of meeting someone. One, it puts too much pressure on the situation. Two, it kind of makes you look thirsty. You may not think it does, but it does. You dress differently. You walk differently. You probably act differently. You might even be more self-conscious. After you've been in a long-term relationship, you realize you may have let some things you used to love go. And maybe you want to get those parts of yourself back. And if you meet somebody along the way who has some of the same interests, that's great. One thing I did, not intentionally to meet people, was to take cooking classes because I like to eat. I don't really like to cook, so I thought if I knew a little bit more about it, I'd enjoy it a lot more. I never met anybody, but I learned that I really like to chop things up. I was told church was a great place to meet people, especially who have the same ethnicity and faith. I didn't share either of these with my ex-husband, so it seemed like it might be a nice change. A lot of churches have singles groups. I don't think they're necessarily meant to match people up. It's more just so single people can support each other. I want to say in their celibacy, because it seems like when I moved to Texas, every church I went to, the minister was doing a sermon about how you shouldn't have sex outside of marriage. That was not the message I wanted to hear. At the time, I was in perimenopause, and I hadn't had sex for over a year because of the, you know, the whole separation. And even though I was separated and not divorced, to me that was cheating, so I wasn't going to do that. But anyway, that's another set of moral stories we can talk about another day. But I'm sitting in church this particular day. There were a lot of men in this church. And I'm looking around the sanctuary during the ser- sermon, and I'm thinking, ooh, I could do that one. 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 Thinking about sex... While you're at a sermon, especially when they're talking about how sex should be reserved for the marital bed, is not conducive to a healthy mindset. Let's just leave it at that. So I decided at that point, maybe I just didn't need to be in church that day. I actually left before the sermon ended. But that's okay. But for some people, it works out really well. I think if you do join a church singles group, you should join with the intention of whatever that's singles group has formed for like if it's to do community service if it's a charity job if it's an auxiliary organization in the church that's what you should be there for in fact I think any group or activity you do should be for the purpose of doing that activity or upholding the purpose of that group because if you go in with the mindset is I'm going here and I'm going to meet somebody you're probably going to be coming away disappointed I'd say 98% of the time. Oh, by the way, I did get asked out at that church. <laughs> uh, I've forgotten about that. I actually not, didn't go out with the guy, but, um, but so it can happen. And it, I wasn't in the singles group. I made a little joke about it before, but there's really nothing wrong with asking your friends to fix you up. 
Think about it. If you were starting a business, the advice you're always given is start with your warm network. Well, your friends, your family, your coworkers, they are your warm network. So if you feel comfortable, let them know that you're single and you're interested in meeting somebody new. And do they have any friends that you think they might be uh, a good friend for you? You don't have to say a, a potential wife or husband, just somebody that you like to do things with. People don't like to go to things by themselves because they've been married or partnered and they've been used to having someone to go to coffee with or dinner with or the theater with or biking with or whatever. So go ahead and ask. There's no shame in that. Now, my one experience with getting fixed up, uh, this couple that I didn't know very well, so maybe someone who knows you well is a better option, fixed me up with this man who they liked who worked out a lot. I also worked out a lot, so they thought that would be a good basis for a relationship. Let me tell you, it wasn't. And when I saw the guy, yeah, he was pretty muscular. He was ex-military. I think he had his own business. I can't really remember. But I just did not find anything attractive about his face or his personality. So luckily, I had a company from out of town, and I used them as an excuse to leave early. Uh, I was still pretty new at dating at that point, so I didn't know what protocols or etiquette there was, or even if there is any. I think you have to make up your own. But anyway, it's okay to ask people to fix you up. The more feelers you put out for potential matches, the more people have their eyes open for someone who might be a good match for you, the better. Also, if you're matched up by a friend or somebody who cares about you, chances are they will have done a pretty good job vetting the person. So a lot of the fears that go along with meeting somebody online or a stranger in a store kind of go away because you feel like you have that kind of sense of security about someone who knows their background. Now that could backfire if it doesn't work out. The person who fixed you up might feel some sense of guilt or depending on how badly a breakup it is, if it is a breakup, or if you just find that you're not interested in each other. It might be awkward if you come in contact in the same social circle. So give that some consideration too. So you're looking for a date, a match, a potential mate. I'm not sure what your reason for dating is. Hopefully you are. When you're out there, and now you're aware that one in three people is probably single, your first job is to be alert and aware. There are people that are probably looking at you, appraising you, finding you attractive that you don't notice because you're so busy with your own life. So when you're out there, if somebody makes eye contact, make eye contact back. Smile at them if you're interested. You need to be fearless with it. If you see somebody and they're going about their business and you're interested in them, especially someplace like the grocery store, Go up and start a conversation. The grocery store, the hardware store, those are two really easy places to start a conversation with someone. If they're looking at a particular food, you might ask them how they prepare it. You might find out that they're cooking for their girlfriend. You might find out that they're taking a cooking class. You might find out that they're single and they're so happy that you stopped them to talk to them today. I think that women have the misperception and forgive me if I'm wrong, that it's easy for men to walk up and ask a woman out. Now, I've dated quite a few guys, 
And I've asked some of them, one in particular who I dated for almost a year. And we were having a really good time. And I, I told him, I asked him, if I had met you or if you'd seen me out somewhere, would you have come up to me? And he said, no, I wouldn't have done that. And he seemed even surprised that I asked. And I said, why? He says, I just don't do that. I wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. So I think the men are just as afraid of asking us out as we are of asking them out. Now, we're burdened a little bit by the social norm that men are the ones to do the pursuing. But think about it. If you're out there and you see somebody you really like, why don't you do anything about it? We kind of have the excuse that the men are supposed to pursue us. But I'm not talking about a, a pursuing thing. I'm talking about just making a conversation. And if it goes so far, the conversation goes, well, what's wrong with you being the one to ask him to go out for coffee? Just to get to know each other better. Find out what you do have in common. Could they be a potential match? Maybe they're not. I think a lot of women feel like if they ask the man out, they're giving the man the impression that they're desperate or that they're going to pay for everything or that um, they're easy, which I suppose there are men that actually think that. I'm sure there are. But wouldn't you rather find that out early on and not waste your time with them? I had a friend tell me who lives in Texas And I just moved to Texas and wasn't really used to the Southern dating norms. Or again, I don't think there are any. But she told me that even on dating apps that she didn't approach a man first. And I said, why? And she says, because men don't like that. So the next time I had a a stint on match, probably one month or two months, like I usually do, I didn't approach anybody first. What happened was my time elapsed and no one that I was interested in contacted me. I think we have it in our head on dating apps that everyone sees you all the time. So if they haven't approached you, that means they saw you and they didn't like you. But that's not true. They may not have seen you. And if you want to be seen, one of the best ways to do is to send them a wink or a flirt or whatever. I think we need to replicate that same kind of behavior in real life. I don't think you should wink with around people because it doesn't mean the same thing it used to mean or people just don't know what to do with it. But a smile is pretty much universal. So use that smile. Let people know you're interested. Have a conversation. Be fearless about it. Ask them out. You don't know what's going to happen until you put yourself out there. In fact, All the information anybody can give you about where to meet people, how to meet people, what to do when you meet people means nothing if you are not willing to put yourself out there. So if you learn anything from today's talk, please learn that. And I'm not saying it's easy, but I'm saying if you don't do it, sometimes you'll have a regret. I remember when I first moved to Texas, I was shopping at the Randalls. And there was a store director. That was his title because his photograph was up on the wall and I looked at it and that's what they called him. And he was tall. He was well built. He was handsome. He had a beautiful smile. And I would go to Randall's every week and I would see him and he would say hello and I would say hello. And I was like, well, if he was interested, he'd ask me out. So I I molded over and molded over and I came to the conclusion that 
He's the store director. He's in charge. I'm a customer. He probably doesn't think it's appropriate to ask me out. But he still said hello and he still smiled. And I wasn't doing anything about it. So I made up my mind. I was going to go in and I was going to ask him out. So I went in a few times, dressed nice, hair done, all the stuff. And I saw him and I didn't ask him out. And then I came in again and I didn't see him. But I was at the counter and there was a woman there and no one else was in line. And I just asked her if she knew he was married. And she said, no, I don't. I don't think so. And I said, I was just wondering. And she says, I think you should go for it. And I, and with that encouragement, I left the store and I came back. And the next time I saw him and I just chickened out. And then eventually he left probably for a better job or better promotion. And I've always regretted not asking him out. And really, what would it have cost me? If he said no, I could have said, well, thank you. And maybe never shopped in Randall's again because of embarrassment. But I feel like I had more to gain than I had to lose. And if I'd had a little more confidence and a little more gumption, I would have asked him out. And maybe he would have said no. But I know the next time I tried to ask somebody out, it would have seemed a lot easier. So I'm telling all my women listeners out there, if you see a man and you're interested, at least smile at him. And if you feel comfortable, go ahead and ask him out for coffee or dinner or to go for a walk. A walk is a great way to get to know somebody. But don't be like me. And 15 years later, be thinking about that tall, gorgeous man who I didn't even have the nerve to approach. Do better than me. Thanks for listening today. Come back next week when we're going to be talking about dating apps. How, what, and why. We'll have new episodes each Monday at 10 a.m. Please subscribe or follow It's Like Bowling so that you don't miss an episode. We're building a community here that supports each other. So become part of our league and share the podcast with others who want practical dating advice. If you have questions, stories, or tips to share, please reach out on Instagram, Facebook, or Pinterest at Bowling for Two. See you next week. And remember, you can't score until you get the ball in your hand.